Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And for the next 30 minutes, I'd like to invite you to stay with me because it's 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, a little bit of education, and never any manipulation because we don't try to manipulate people. We don't have hidden agendas. We are not trying to sell you anything. This is not an infomercial. This is simply a show about giving you accurate information, not some sort of human speculation, but accurate information. Information that will verify and identify God's plan for your life. If I can do that, then you have the freedom and the privacy to orient and adjust to the plan. But the flat line has been playing in your city for quite a while now. We have no plans to go anywhere. I believe God has me there with you for a reason. And I'm very grateful that you're taking time to listen to me today. If you would ever like to contact me, please feel free to do so. You can do it in one of two ways. You can go to the internet and type in rickhughesministries.org. That's rickhughesministries.org. And there you can find our website and even a list of all of our radio shows and replay them if you'd like to, or even have them podcast if you like that. You can also write to us directly if you don't have internet ability by simply writing to Rick Hughes, P.O. Box 100 in the city of Cropwell, Alabama. That's Rick Hughes, P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054. 35054. That's our zip code. This is not a request for money. That's not what I'm asking you. Just saying if you'd like to write, if you have a question, or you'd like to receive one of our books on the 10 problem solving devices or Christian problem solving, then let me know. We'll get it to you. No charge ever. We're also publishing a new book that should be out within the next month called A Divine Pardon. And we've written this book in regards to those men and women across America who are incarcerated in our jails and prisons. If you have someone like that that you know and you'd like to get a copy of that book, you can write to us as well. We'll send it to you free of charge. But this radio show is always about accurate information, giving you the information, and teaching you what it means to have a flat line in your soul. A flat line in your soul is a main line of resistance. It's the forward line of troops consisting of 10 unique problem-solving devices. We use that as a military analogy to explain the Christian life. God has wonderful problem-solving devices, even things that our Lord Jesus Christ used while he was here in a human body. And these things are available to us if we learn them, if we use them, then we can stop the outside source of adversity before it becomes the inside source of stress. Always the attack is on the command center of your soul, the mentality of your soul, because that's where everything starts. As the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. And the mentality of your soul is where the attack is. And if you worry, if you're afraid, if you're full of self-pity or if you're bitter, these are all stress indicators that you've let adversity overrun the command post of your soul. People face adversity in many different ways. 
Some of it could be weather-related adversity. Some of it could be self-induced adversity. And some of it could be medical-related. But whatever it is, we cannot go through life without adversity. The Bible says man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. But we can, I repeat, we can go through life without stress. That's what the Christian life is. It's a way to live your life free of stress, free of worry, free of fear, free of self-pity, and free of guilt. You never have to have guilt clouded over your head to where you feel like you're inadequate or to where you feel like God is angry or God is mad at you. That's not correct. God may not approve of what you've done, but he will never throw you under the bus because the Bible says if we confess our sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. And there never is a time when you cannot go to your heavenly father and simply admit your failures and have him cleanse you from those sins. And that allows the Holy Spirit to control your life and to fill you. And as the Holy Spirit fills you and controls you, that allows you to resume your spiritual momentum if, in fact, you take time to study the Word of God. If, in fact, you learn the Word of God. Because without learning the Word of God, without getting serious about what the Bible says, and you can never have any forward momentum spiritually. The two words I want to give you today, one is spirituality and one is maturity. Spirituality and maturity. The difference is this. Anyone who's filled with the Holy Spirit is spiritual. In order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you simply name or cite your known sin. But anyone who wants to be mature that takes a combination of the filling of the Holy Spirit and content of the Word of God in their soul. They must learn something. The Bible constantly says this. You must study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the Word of truth. If it tells us to rightly divide it, then it means that it can be wrongly divided. And undoubtedly, the Word of God has been mistaught in many circumstances today, especially in religious circles, where people tend to teach things that are just simply not true. I do not understand myself how they can misrepresent God and get away with it, but that's between them and God. But if you want to understand what it means to live the Christian life and what it means to have these phenomenal problem-solving devices, then you're listening to the right place. You will find that we never put pressure on you. We never try to solicit anything from you. We're just here to give you accurate information. And this show is supported by the free will gifts and offerings of those who love us and believe in what we do. And it's our privilege to share it with you. Now, listen, last week we talked about voices heard today. Voices in history. And <clears throat> I told you last week, I don't know if you remember this, but I want to hit it one more time quickly. I told you in Ephesians 5, 6, Paul warned to let no man deceive you with vain words. And that is the Greek word kinos, empty words, <clears throat> words that are void of truth. And, uh, and then I showed you where in Colossians 2, 4, Paul again wrote to not let any man beguile you with enticing words. 
And this, this is uh, words of persuasion or a con artist. And so as you face life, you're going to find, especially in religious circles and in political circles, people will deceive you. They will tell you one thing when, in fact, they really have a hidden agenda. They may make you think that they are your best friend in order to gain an advantage. And one must constantly be careful about what he believes and doesn't believe. Here in the second Peter 2, 3, Peter warns about false teachers who use feigned words. And the word feigned comes from the Greek plastos. We get our word plastic maybe. I'm not sure, but I have a feeling we get our word plastic from that because it means to be molded or formed, and that's what feigned words mean. In other words, in their greed to use you, they will make good-sounding arguments or form good-sounding arguments for the purpose of exploiting you. Religion and politics particularly do this. Paul said it clearly in 2 Corinthians 2.17, we are not as many which peddle the word of God. We don't peddle it. But as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. 2 Peter 2.18 talks about great swelling words. These are false teachers who have these extravagant, over-swollen words of vanity, he calls them. And the word vanity is an interesting word called metaiotes, which means empty or void of truth. So some of these orators, some of these religious or politicians, they can give you great swelling words. Oh, they sound so high and mighty and and so self-righteous and so great. And they're empty. They're void of any truth. And the reason is because of what 1 Timothy 4.2 says, they speak lies, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Speaking lies is the Greek word pseudologos, pseudo meaning false, and giving doctrine of demons. In other words, satanic plans, satanic viewpoint. Satan has his own ministers, the Bible says. He has pastors, he has evangelists. The Bible says that he has his own communion table. And there are doctrines of demons. This simply means that there's false information out there that Satan uses to coerce people into falling in line with his plan, his policy, his politics, whatever. And what we never want you to do is to fall victim to this sort of thing. And so that's why we give you the truth. For example, I want to give you something today that may shock you. You will hear people all the time say, I prayed about it. I talked to someone today about a job situation, and they told me I prayed about it. And that all sounds very spiritual. That all sounds very, very holy and very nice until you realize that 99% of the prayers people offered are probably not even answered. And I'm going to give you some reasons why prayers are not answered. And I will take you to the Bible. I'll show you the verses. Maybe you've been praying and your prayers haven't been answered. Maybe you'll recognize why here in this study today. So here are some various reasons why your prayers may not be answered. Number one, if you are praying and you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, your prayer will not be answered. Romans 8 says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. And if you have known sin in your life, unconfessed sin in your life, 
then you have quenched the Holy Spirit, you have grieved the Holy Spirit, and he cannot intercede for you in prayer, and your prayer is not going to go any higher than the ceiling. That's why the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if you have known sin in your life, the only prayer that's going to be answered is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And God will forgive you for the same sin many times. Don't let anyone tell you any different. I can vouch for that because like you, I've sinned the same sin many times. And every time I go to my Heavenly Father and I admit my sin, he forgives me. He cleanses me as he promised he would. This is the secret to staying in fellowship with God. This is the secret to living the Christian life. No prayer will ever be answered if it's offered in the energy of the flesh. And that means that it is not offered by means of the filling of the Holy Spirit. The second reason prayers are not answered is they are not offered in faith. In Matthew 21, 22, the Bible says, All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Believing you shall receive. So this means simply this. If you're asking God a prayer, and a prayer can be intercessory prayer where you're praying for someone. A prayer can be a petition where you're praying for yourself. Or a prayer can be adoration where you're praying and expressing your appreciation to God. So adoration, you're praying and expressing your appreciation for God. Intercession, you're praying and interceding for another person. Or a petition, you're praying and asking God for something for yourself. When you pray, you must pray believing. You must pray believing. It's not doesn't make any sense to say, well, God, I know you're not going to answer this, but I'm going to pray it anyhow. How do you know that he's not going to answer that? And so you pray believing. And when you believe, it demonstrates your faith. It's the faith rest drill. In other words, you go to the Bible and you say, Father, I know you said this, and I believe you said this, and so I'm claiming this in my prayer. And there's where you can quote Scripture when you pray. Another reason that prayer is not answered is sometimes it's motivated by lust. Lust. That means not sex lust. That's what you're thinking. See, anytime the word lust comes up, most people think sex. There are a lot of different lust patterns. It's not just sex lust. It can be money lust, power lust, approbation lust. It can be lust of a chemical factor. It can be killer lust. Killers lust to kill sometimes. But listen to James 4, verse 2. You ask and you receive not. Because you ask amiss so that you may consume it upon your lust. So in other words, you're asking for something that is not profitable for you to have. But you think you deserve to have it. God's not going to answer that prayer. You're not going to get it. You may be praying that God would let you win the lottery. If you could just win that old big old lottery, that $35 million lottery, then you could be set for life and you could be happy for life and heck, you'd even give God 10%, right? Well, forget it. It's not going to happen. 
First of all, God will not pour out blessing where there's no capacity. And the very fact that you think winning the lottery would make you happy means you don't have the capacity to win the lottery to start with. Because if you won it, it would destroy you. If you had a cup that was capable of holding the blessing, then God can fill your cup. David said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My cup runneth over, David said. He had great capacity. Well, capacity is demonstrated by one simple little word, contentment. If you're not content with what you have, then you don't have the capacity to have something else because it would distract you. But if you are content, then God can give things to you and it won't distract you. And in fact, you can be a vessel through which God gives to others as well. So if you're motivated by lust, that prayer is not going to be answered. You lust for a new home, you lust for a new car, you lust for uh, this, that, or the other, whatever it is, whatever you think will make you happy. Just remember that unhappy people carry their unhappiness with them wherever they go. Here's another reason that prayers are not answered. The believer, me or you, is in mental attitude carnality with sin in his life. I've already mentioned this once, but I'm going to mention it again. I'm going to give you the verse this time. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about the organ that pumps the blood to the rest of the body. It is talking about the heart or the soul. Inside of you, you have an invisible soul. And that excuse me, that soul has a human mentality. It has a consciousness. It has a volition. Your soul has a mind and a heart. All information that you get comes into your mind is assimilated in your mind. But the heart is where that information is stored. The heart is where the memory center is. It's where the vocabulary storage is. It's where the stream of consciousness is. And the heart is where you store the word of God. So if you have sin in your heart, in other words, if you've hidden sin and you think God doesn't know about it, then your prayers are not going to be answered. Never will it ever be answered until you get back in fellowship with God. And here's another reason that prayer is not answered. If the believer is disobedient to God, 1 John 3, 22, and whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his mandates and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. In other words, if you want God to answer your prayers, then it takes a little faith and a lot of obedience because you can't walk down the my way highway and expect God to bless everything you do and pour out blessings from heaven every time you hold your cup out. It doesn't work that way. Did you hear the verse? Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his mandates and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. God loves to bless his children. God loves to prosper his children. And yet only the obedient children. A disobedient child is a person who has sin in his life, a person who will be under discipline from God, maybe warning discipline, 
may be intense discipline, and without correction, it could be dying discipline. I've never taught that very much to you on this radio show, but there are three stages to discipline. God warns you, God takes you to the woodshed, and then God can take you home if you have no hope of changing and getting squared away. If you're totally incorrigible, and God can take you home. You can read about it for yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Read the first few verses. See what happened. See why a man was put under the sin unto death. Another reason that God doesn't answer prayer is an attitude of negative volition from the believer in regards to God's counsel. In other words, God's trying to teach you something. He's trying to give you some information. But in fact, you are simply not interested. I'm going to read out of Proverbs chapter 1. Listen carefully. I stretched out my hand to you, and no one paid attention. You ignored all of my advice. You did not want me to warn you. Thus I will laugh at your calamity. I will make fun of you when panic strikes you. When panic strikes you like a violent storm, when calamity comes upon you like a windstorm, when trouble and anguish come to you, then they will call to me at that time, but I will not answer. If you have negative volition to God, you're not interested in God, you're not interested in the Bible, you're not interested in his word, and then you hit a bad spot in your life, and all of a sudden you go running over to God with your hand held out like he's some genie in the eight ball, your prayer's not going to be answered. You were negative. You were not interested. You disbelieved everything God said. You never even accepted Christ as your Savior. And yet you want God to bail you out. Not going to happen. Another reason that God doesn't answer prayer is noncompliance with his will non-compliance with his will. In 1 John 5, 14, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have those petitions we've requested of him. Now, if it's his will, if it's not his will, then you're not going to get an answer. And a no answer is his same as a no. So you may wonder, what is the will of God? How do I determine the will of God? You know, this is a serious question. How do I know God's will for my life? I recently taught a four-hour session in Texas on how to know God's will for your life, and I will be happy to send that to you free of charge on a DVD or an MP3 if you'll just simply write and request it, we'll send it right along. I don't have time to teach it all to you here in the brief few moments that we have left on this radio show. But there is a way that you can specifically know what God's will for you is during your time on this earth. Another reason prayer is not answered is because of arrogance or pride on part of the believer. The Bible says in Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goes before destruction, and an arrogant spirit before the fall. Another reason that God doesn't answer prayer is a lack of compassion for the needy. 
You see people in need. You see people in need every day. And yet, you won't help. You have no desire to help. Your heart is hard. You, you see people that are suffering and doing without, and you could care less. All you do is complain. Complain about it. you're giving too much money already away in taxes, and why should you give any more money away? Proverbs 21, 13. The one who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Did you get a grip on that one? He who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. There should never be a time in your life that if you come across a needy person, that you don't help that person. It is not God's will for you. If God puts someone in your life who is needy and you have the ability to help that person, then you should step up and help them in whatever way that you can. That doesn't mean you give them everything that you have. That's not what I'm saying. It may be a small gift. It may be a large gift. It may be a gift of time. It may be a gift of clothes. It may be a gift of furniture. It may be a gift of finances. But if they are in need, you help. Again, Proverbs 21, 13. The one who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. What God is telling you is he will shut his ears to you when you're in need because you shut your ears to those that you saw were in need and you would not help. Now, one of the last reasons, and a very shocking reason, that your prayers might not be answered is because there's a lack of domestic tranquility. A lack of domestic tranquility. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, In like manner, you husbands dwell with your wives in consideration as the weaker vessel, and show them honor as fellow members of the grace of life. In this way, nothing will hinder your prayers. If there's one thing that will hinder your prayers, it's arguing and fighting with your spouse. It's a husband who's a bully, a husband who's a jerk, a husband who is not considerate of his wife. She is the weaker vessel. He knows that, and he doesn't show her honor and respect as a fellow member of the royal family of God. If you're married and your husband or your wife is a believer in Jesus Christ, then they have as much weight with God as you do. And for you to disrespect them, for you to, to be belligerent towards them, for you to put them down, especially in public, or to malign them to your friends, your prayers will never be answered. In this way, nothing will hinder your prayers, Peter says. And this is a serious warning about marital discourse and lack of tranquility in the family. Arguing, fighting, bickering, no prayer is going to be answered with that sort of sin in your life. Therefore, just like any other sin, you must go to your Heavenly Father and admit it. God will be faithful and just to forgive you. I hope this has made sense. I'm out of time but I tried to list some of the reasons that prayers are not answered. Until next week, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for listening to The Flood Line.
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.